Life Audio. Hey there, Heather Creekmore here. Thanks for listening to the Compared to Who Show today. Oh, today we're tackling some big topics. We're going to talk about Dolly Parton and that halftime show perhaps you caught during the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving Day. We're going to talk about judging bodies. And we're going to look at Matthew 7, that very famous verse in the Bible, judge not that you be not judged. And we're going to explore what that really means. So I've been planning to do an episode on judging bodies and kind of what's going on when we judge other people's bodies and whether or not we should do that. I've been planning on doing that for a long time. And then my husband preached a sermon on Matthew 7 and the topic of judging a couple weeks ago. And I was like, oh, this is good. I can use this. And then Dolly did the Cowboys halftime show on Thanksgiving Day. And wow. There's been a lot of buzz around that. A lot of us feel very comfortable judging bodies. Uh, But I think you're going to be really surprised and hopefully encouraged by where today's conversation goes. So I'm glad you're here. Hey, my brand new book, the 40 Day Body Image Workbook, releases in like a week. So order your copy now. You can order it on Amazon, Baker Bookhouse, ChristianBook.com. Uh, you can look and see where you can find the best deal. Baker Bookhouse was running at the cheapest in pre-order. But go grab your copy and then go over to my webpage, ImprovedBodyImage.com, and look for the Books tab. Find the 40-day book, and I will give you five free walking workouts. So these are walks that you'll take with music set behind them to help you process the content of the book. Also on that same page, I have a link to a facilitator's guide. So if in the new year you want to grab some friends and you want to work through the book together, you're obviously not going to meet 40 times like that would be a little (laughs) onerous to do. But I've broken it up into 10 sessions. It's not every four days. I've broken it up into categorical sessions so that you can do the book with a couple friends or with a group, a small group at your church, a ladies group, whatever. So go check that out. But you need the book to do any of that. So grab your copy now. I hope it really blesses you. Okay, let's get into today's show. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here, the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Okay, well, let's start by just reliving the halftime show of the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving Day. For those of you who don't watch football or don't watch the Dallas Cowboys or didn't see anything on social media about this, I feel like you're going to need a little explanation going forward. So you need to know, first of all, that I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm also a fan of Dolly Parton. Like, she's a legend. I think she has a beautiful heart. 
Oh, but the halftime show. Oh, it was a little uncomfortable to watch if you missed it because Miss Dolly, who is 77 years old, was wearing a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit. Now, if you don't live in the U.S. or you've never seen the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, you need to be able to picture this. Let me tell you what a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit looks like. It's these white short shorts, and then it's this cleavage exposing like half top that's kind of like tied below the breasts, and then white boots. And after her show... Like the commentators, Tony Romo, and I don't remember the other guy's name, were commenting on like how she looks so great. And that felt a little awkward too, because great is an interesting word. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on what it means to look great at 77, because often in our culture, we praise like looking great as maybe the results you get when you eat right and exercise, or you've taken such good care of your body, you look great, someone would say. But in Dolly's case, oh goodness, friends, like her neck and decollete skin was like tighter than mine was when I was a teenager. (laughs) Like I have neck and decollete skin envy issues now that I'm approaching 50. Like years ago, I may have been envious of her skinny legs, but now it's her wrinkle-free chest skin. That caught my attention. But but here's the thing, like nothing about how Dolly looked on that stage was her looking great because she does such a great job taking care of herself. Like even Dolly herself has said, oh, honey, the only real thing about me is my heart. Like she's been very open about the cosmetic surgery help she's gotten. She's worn wigs for decades Friend, she looks quote unquote great because a doctor made her body look that way. She was sculpted, she was enhanced, she was boosted, she was tightened, like all the things. And my first thought when I saw her was a bit of shock and awe because, like, at 77, she did, like, she could quote unquote compete with those 22 year old cheerleaders, right? She had this full flesh colored sparkling bodysuit on underneath the Cowboys cheerleader uniform. So her stomach wasn't exposed and like her legs were exposed. Like you couldn't actually see the skin on those parts of her body. So that did kind of help her pull it off. But then my second thought was like, It's kind of hard to watch a 77-year-old woman try to look like a 22-year-old woman. It just didn't feel right. Like, she actually had to hold on to the stage behind her, like, as she moved, as she walked back and forth while she was singing, like, her most famous songs, like Jolene and 9 to 5. But she had to hold on. And and I was really worried as she was walking, like, oh, no, is she going to fall? Like, is she okay? And there was this dissonance between like noticing the reality of her age, her frailty, her, you know, her like need for help in the balance arena, and then her body's appearance looking much younger. But like, here's the thing, like Dolly's a performer, Dolly's an entertainer, like her image is part of her life's work. 
And so it's one thing for Dolly to still be trying to look like Dolly, even though she's obviously aging. Like it's it's one thing for her to keep doing this. But oh, I was creeped out by all of the messages around, you know, Dolly's 77. What's your excuse? Like, oh, I hope I look that good at 77. If she can do it at 77, anyone can do it at 77. And I pray if you saw it that that's not your takeaway. Because it's just not possible without a whole lot of cosmetic help. And then even at that, there's a brand new series on Netflix called Botched. And I'm going to do a whole episode on plastic surgery at some point really soon, probably in the new year. But oh my goodness, if you watch Botched, it may scare you out of ever going under the knife. Um, and, And Botched had its own statistic about the number of plastic surgeries that are messed up each year. And I don't have that data. But I did look up and I found there was a UK study that showed 65% of people who get plastic surgery regret getting plastic surgery. Um, And so there's a risk involved when you're trying to do what Dolly did. Now, Dolly obviously has lots of money, so she probably can go to the best plastic surgeon in, you know, in her area. And she's probably in a lifelong relationship with these people and she has money to fix it if they mess it up. But there is a risk and a cost involved with trying to look 27 at 77. So we can't forget that. So what do I think about Dolly? What do I think about all that plastic surgery? What do I think about the way she looked and dressing like that at her age? What do I think about all of that? Ooh, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) We're going to talk about that right after the break. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So for me to answer the question, what did I think about Dolly and what did I think about how she looked? I mean, I already told you a little bit about what I thought, like how it made me a little bit uncomfortable and and how it annoys me that the response of culture would be, you know, she's 77, what's your excuse when she looks that way because she had a lot of cosmetic help. So I've already revealed all of those thoughts. 
But to tell you what I think about Dolly doing what she's done to herself and her body, for me to tell you what I think about that, you would be asking me to judge her. And here's the reality. If I point one finger at Dolly, I'd have three more pointing back at myself. And so for the remainder of our time today, I want us to dig into scripture. We're going to look at Matthew 7, and we're going to talk about this concept of judging in greater detail. Like I said in the intro, my husband preached a sermon on this recently, so I'm totally plagiarizing some of his sermon. But I think since we're one flesh, that's not really plagiarism, right? It's kind of like it's mine. <laughs> but, but I want us to really get a grip on what scripture really says about judging. Is it that we're just never supposed to judge people ever? And if that's really what it's saying, then oh goodness, a lot of us have an issue here, right? Because even if we're never saying our judgments out loud, oh goodness, we have thoughts about other people and how they look, don't we? But I want us to look at this passage so we can really know what we're supposed to do in a situation like assessing Dolly and what happened at halftime on Thanksgiving. I want us to know what to do in every situation where we are tempted to judge someone for their body, for their body size, or maybe even for their food choices. So we're going to start with some definitions. There's two definitions, two main ways that we use the word judge. And I want to be clear about this. So the first way is to judge as to choose between two options, to prefer one thing over another, to make a selection, to make a moral judgment, to judge between right and wrong or good and bad. These are the kinds of judgments we do almost every single day. And these are not the kind of judgments that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7. The second definition of judge is to express a personal opinion about, to criticize, to find fault with, to judge in a way that includes an element of moral superiority. I have chosen not to do this. I can't believe you chose to do that. That's the kind of judgment we're talking about today. Now, let's be honest. Most of us are pretty careful about the judgments we say out loud in public. I mean, maybe in your home, it's a different story. But most of us are pretty careful because we don't want to come across as judgy or in this culture, you can be canceled, right? If you're too judgy. This position often leads us to, I'm going to call it kind of a laissez-faire attitude towards everything. Like, I don't want to be judgy. So you do you, boo. Like whatever makes you happy, I'm not judging. And as I saw... Even this morning on social media, I saw some articles about Dolly and I read through the Facebook comments and the comments were all like, oh, let Dolly do Dolly. And, you know, she can just be who she wants to be. And, you know, just just very much that sentiment of like, I would never judge. She can just, you know, she gets to do what she wants to do and I'm going to do what I want to do. The question today is this. First of all, should we be judging other people's bodies? And I'm using the second definition of judge there. Should we be criticizing, finding fault with, or having a, eeks, put your seatbelt on here, having an element of moral superiority over others as we are judging their bodies or their food choices? Is that something we should do as Christians? And again, I'm not just talking about Dolly here. 
I'm talking about those thoughts that you have when you see people of certain sizes. You may have negative thoughts when you see someone with a large body. You may assume they are lazy or that they don't know how to eat right. Or you may have those thoughts about thin women. You may assume they have an eating disorder or you're judging them because maybe you believe they're only thin because they spend too much time thinking about their food or thinking about their body. We assume so much about people by the way their bodies look and in that, oh, yikes, we're kind of judging, aren't we? And it's that second definition of judging, fault-finding, criticizing, moral superiority judging. Now, granted, sometimes our assumptions might be correct, right? I've joked so many times that I can pick out of a crowd the women with the biggest body image issues because they are the ones who often look the most put together. And yet I know this isn't always true, but, but sometimes we're right in our assumptions and sometimes we're just plain wrong. Like, have you ever thought someone looked so great and they must be doing something quote unquote right because they've lost weight and their body's shrinking only to find out that they have cancer or diabetes. Like the last one happened to me a number of years ago. There was a young woman who worked for me and she lost a bunch of weight, like in a pretty quick amount of time, about a month. And everyone was praising how good she looked and what are you doing? And, you know, oh, you look so great. Until the night she went to the hospital and almost died because her blood sugar was so low and she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So yikes, like friends, this is why complimenting weight loss is so dangerous. You may actually be saying, congratulations for getting a disease. I mean, it's really gross to think about the reality that I've been excited to get a stomach bug in the past because I knew it meant losing weight. Like again, yikes, like what is that? Similarly, atypical anorexia is a growing category of the eating disorder because many women with average size or even larger bodies meet the clinical criteria for anorexia based on like how much they eat or how much they obsess about food in their body without meeting the standard of being underweight. A friend of mine who does integrative nutrition coaching, she's reinforced this to me many, many times that she's working with women who are heavy by culture standards and yet they're barely eating anything. And so personally, I feel this dissonance now, like with where I'm at in my body, in my body image and my eating disorder journey. Like I exercise regularly, I eat pretty well, and yet my body does not tell that story in the way that Instagram influencers say it should. Like I feel like thanks to intuitive eating, I don't go crazier on sugar and sweets anymore the way I used to. And I'm not tracking my food, but it feels like I eat less of those sweets and sugary foods I used to be bingy around. And yet, my eating disorder body was much smaller. And there are people with heavier bodies that have never taken a prescription medication. My aunt would have been in that category. She was at a much higher, according to the BMI charts, like an unacceptable weight for most of her adult life. But she didn't have a single health issue, not diabetes, not high blood pressure, not any of the things that you are told you automatically have once you hit a certain weight or are a certain size. In fact, she died of cancer a few years ago, but that cancer was likely related to toxins she had been exposed to through, through her whole life and really didn't have anything at all to do with her body size. 
Similarly, I know friends and clients now who have small bodies, but take multiple medications every single day. They have small bodies, but they also have high cholesterol, lupus and other autoimmune diseases, heart disease, diabetes too. So that's a bit of a tangent from the judging topic, but I want to remind us all that you can't tell how healthy someone is by the way their body looks. But the real question here is why are we trying to judge? <laughs> why is it important for me to assess you by your body or for me to assess your health? Like that's not really any of my business. Why do I want to judge you? What is that inside of me that longs to make those judgments? And is that a problem according to scripture? Well, good news is the Bible does have <laughs> some answers on this. And apparently this desire and need we have to judge people is not just a problem in our culture. It was a problem back then. And so that's why Jesus had to address it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. So let's look at Matthew 7 right now. And I'm going to start reading from the NIV just in verse 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So the first point I want to make here is that the Bible doesn't actually say don't judge because it's mean. It doesn't actually even say don't judge because it's wrong. Neither does it say don't judge because it's sin. It says don't judge because the way you judge is the way you will be judged. So isn't that fascinating? Because I think a lot of us have maybe learned or believed that you don't judge because it's sin. But read it again in your own Bible. It's a self-focused motivation for not judging. We don't judge so that we won't be judged because the principle is the measure we use is the measure that will be used to judge us. Yikes! So does that mean that when you go judge someone that then someone is going to judge you in the exact same way for that exact same thing. Like maybe my husband used the illustration of teaching our kids to drive and teaching them, you know, to use their turn signal and, you know, to roll back at the stop sign, that sort of thing. And then when they're in the passenger seat, when he's driving and he forgets to use his turn signal, how they're like, hey, dad, you didn't do this. Hey, dad, you didn't do this. And so therefore he's being judged in the same way he is judging them. What I've noticed for a lot of women with body image challenges is that the way we do judge others in terms of their bodies and their appearance is 
normally indicative of the way that we are judging ourselves already, the way we feel about ourselves. In fact, I did a podcast many, many years ago around this topic that until we're able to change the way we see and judge others, until I'm able to stop looking at that woman of a certain size and believing certain things about her because of her certain size, be it small or large, until I'm able to stop doing that and start seeing her as a real person, a complicated person with emotions, a messy person who has both good days and bad days until I'm able to stop idolizing the woman that has the body size that I think would make me happy until I'm able to stop judging others by their bodies and really therefore objectifying them. It's really hard for me to break free from my own body image issues. Right. And so maybe that's part of the principle here too, but I think it goes beyond that, right? There's so there's two helpers that help us in our judging. The first one is our conscience, right? We, Every person has a conscience that kind of pricks you when you do something that's probably not nice. And then there's the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the Holy Spirit can whisper things like, oh, Heather, (laughs) what are you thinking about that person? Oh, Heather, why are you judging Dolly for looking like that? when you've been researching neck tightening creams for the last 30 minutes? You know, it. we don't like it when our own form of measurement measures us, right? We don't really want to be held by our own standards. Now, I talk to women all the time that are like, oh, I give grace to everyone else. I just don't give grace to myself. But I'm not 100% sure that that's true. Because I really think we do have our own standards that we try to hold other people to. And then when they don't measure up to that standard, it's like, I can't believe you didn't do this thing or you didn't come through. I always come through. I can't believe this about you. And then when it happens to us, we're like, well, it's because of this circumstance in my life. I mean, how could I be expected to? Or, you know, of course I couldn't do this because of this, this, and this. And like we give ourselves a little bit more room, potentially excuses <laughs> for for not caring through or doing whatever the thing is, right? But we don't like it when our own measuring stick, when our own ruler measures us because it's uncomfortable. So let's continue with just looking at what the Bible says about judging. So Romans 2 verses 1 through 3 reads like this. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Hmm. So the challenge really is that most of the things that we judge other people for, the things that are top of our list, the things we notice most about other people and are quick to criticize them for, often are the things that we have the biggest heart struggle around. So in the arena of body image, let's go back to my friend Dolly. I wish she was my friend, (laughs) but let's go back to Dolly. I can't 
judge Dolly for doing everything she has the financial power and ability to do to make herself look like a 22-year-old. When in my heart, I know the struggle for me is very much the same. Why does a 77-year-old woman want to look like a 22-year-old woman? Because she's wrestling with her appearance not being where her value is found. Now, okay, Dolly might be a little tricky example on this front because Dolly is an icon. And so there's some other things at play, right? Can you even do the Cowboys halftime show as a 77 year old woman, unless you, you know, look like a 22 year old? I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So Dolly, Dolly might be the wrong example for this. But I've always said that I would never judge a woman who had plastic surgery or had a boob job because I I've worn Spanx and push-up bras. (laughs) I've tried to look like I had work done and a boob job just without paying for it, right? The, The heart issue is the exact same. And so for me to judge you around your choices, around what you do with your body, would probably be indicative of my own internal struggle with the choices I'm making around my body and and really my struggle with idolatry. For, for me to point the finger at you and say, I can't believe you're doing that, is the invitation for the Holy Spirit to come in and say, oh, Heather, can't you see? Can't you see she's doing that? For the exact same reasons you do those things you do? Can't you see that this is something you are wrestling? Can't you see this body image idol, this appearance idol in your life and see how it's affecting you and stop trying to judge her on that and instead work on your own junk? And what happens when our own measuring device is used to measure us? is we get the opportunity to see something that God wants to change inside of us. And this can be the catalyst for us really coming to repentance, right? Because every positive change in our life has to start with repentance. It has to start with, oh goodness, I see that. I didn't see it before. I'm sorry, Lord, please. And then watch what happens. Watch how beautifully that concept then fits with the next concept from Matthew 7. Remember how the passage went? I'm going to read from the ESV this time. It starts in verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Friend, the concept here is is so redemptive in the way we are to judge others. And the redemption is this. I have to deal with my own junk first. (laughs) I have a log problem. I got a big old plank in my eye. And you know what? So funny for me to come at you. My husband used this illustration. I thought it was brilliant, right? Think about what happens when you have something in your eye, right? Like that's a pretty delicate thing, (laughs) right? 
So for someone to come at you to try to get the speck out of your eye, and they're just coming at you and you see this big log in their eye, are you going to want them anywhere close to your eye? No, absolutely not, right? Like, oh, please don't touch me. I just picture someone like running at you with tweezers, like I'll get it out for you, right? And that's what we're doing when we judge others in that number two kind of judging way and that criticizing, I'm better than you kind of way. We're running at people with tweezers saying, let me help you. And it is impossible for us to take specks out of anyone's eyes until we get the logs out of our own eyes first. So log first, speck second. I have a big problem (laughs) and my problem is bigger than your problem and I've got to take care of my problem before I can be of any help to you and your problem. So friend, as we think about the way people around us relate to food or relate to their body, right? What if the best thing we can do is take care of our own logs first, right? Instead of coming at that friend of yours that's on her 27th diet and running at her with the tweezers, like, here, let me help you. Let me fix you. Let me tell you why this isn't going to work for you. Hey, just just keep your mind on your own game. (laughs) Keep your eyes on your own walk in this area. Keep sorting out with the Holy Spirit what he wants to do with you and your walk with food and your walk with body image and your journey to freedom, right? And then you know what will happen? then you may get invited in. Once your log starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, then those friends around you with the specs may say, hey, I've noticed something different about you. Hey, like you seem to do a really good job around caring for your body without obsessing. Can you tell me how you do it? Like, can you tell me why you don't like talk like everyone else and say bad things about your body and, you know, criticize yourself like everyone else? Can you tell me what it is about you that makes you more comfortable in your body and you just, you seem content? Like, how can I be like you? Then my friend, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity because you did log first, spec second. You have an opportunity to minister to someone in a way that can truly help them. And that's the redemptive thing about the way Jesus does judgment, right? The judgment is not you with your long finger and your tweezers pointing at everyone and running after them to do surgery. The redemptive thing of my measure measures me is I get to work on my junk. And then after I do that, perhaps... Perhaps I have the opportunity to help others work on their junk. And so until Dolly Parton comes to me and says, Heather, how can I do body image differently? I got to focus on my own game. I got to focus on my own issues. I don't get to worry about Dolly. And if you think about it, like it's so beautiful too, because how do we really learn things? Like you can learn things by studying. You can learn things by doing. But oh, once you teach someone Like once you have the opportunity to minister to someone or walk with someone who's going through something that you went through, like that's when it goes to a whole different level. So what a beautiful grace that God would set it up that way, that after you take care of your own log, maybe you do get to help other people with their specs. 
you know, every time I work with a group of women or a coaching client and we finish, I always encourage them to find someone to go through this material with because it really is how you stay free to coach someone, to encourage someone else helps you be free in a different way. You actually have something to offer others in whatever arena (laughs) because you've worked on your own stuff. You've worked on your own log. There's a Case Western University uh, study from 2013, and it looked at people in recovery from addiction, people in um, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's called Al-Anon now, and they recruited 226 people and they followed them for 10 years, like measuring different things, like how many AA meetings they went to, how much alcohol they consumed, their thoughtfulness towards others, and whether or not they helped other people by becoming a sponsor or completing step 12 in, in the Alcoholics Anonymous program. And you know what the study found? It found that people who attended more AA meetings and engaged in helping others stayed sober longer and they reported higher interest in others, more care about others for up to 10 years, the whole length of the study. And so there is this unique effect that happens as we go through recovery ourselves that we have to pay attention to. And that is the log first spec second principle. Once you've worked on your own junk, if you help others work on theirs, it will continue to help your recovery. The other thing just quickly to point out here is that in verse three, Jesus uses the term brother. And in verse four, Jesus uses the term brother. And in verse five, Jesus uses the term hypocrite. This is a family conversation. This passage is about judging other believers. This is about our brothers and sisters in Christ in the family of God. This is not about judging the behavior of this world or the crazy things we see people who don't claim to be believers do or behave or wear. That's not what this is about. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13 talks about that we have nothing to do with judging outsiders, that we're supposed to judge those inside the church, and God judges those outside the church. And then once you tie what Paul said in 1 Corinthians back to Matthew, it gives us a whole different perspective on that role that we have as Christians to judge other people who bear the name of Christ. But it's in a much different way than it might sound if you interpret Matthew 7 quite differently. And the last point, just as we finish up here today, is those last couple like sentences, it's really the last sentence of Matthew 7 and Matthew 7, 6, talks about not giving to dogs what is holy and not throwing your pearls before pigs. And a lot of commentators have had a hard time with this. It just doesn't seem to fit with the judging passage. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, don't throw the gospel away. Like, you know, what does it mean? And my husband did a really good job of tying that to the judging portion as Jesus's instruction for us to be discerning as we help people. Right. Because the truth is not everyone wants your help. Right. And my husband's perspective was that dogs and pigs wasn't any kind of slang term or anything derogatory to people, but that it's hyperbolic language used to emphasize the point that there are some people that just aren't going to get it and they're not going to care and they're going to mock you or they're going to just 
think you're wrong and to share with them the journey you've been on or what you've learned or how you've grown would be throwing your pearls before pigs because they're going to trample on you. And some of you have experienced that already. Maybe you've started to experience body image freedom or food freedom. Maybe you've tried intuitive eating and you've tried, you've been so excited. You've tried to share with other people and they're like, oh my word, you're just getting fat (laughs) or that's so unhealthy. I can't believe you do that. Or like not caring about your body. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you're not being a good steward or isn't that just the way to become a sloth? Isn't that a seven deadly sin? Aren't you just going to become a glutton? Like all of these kinds of responses may be responses that you hear or have heard already as you walk towards body image and fruit freedom, because not everyone's going to get it. They're not. Not everyone's going to say, hey, will you help me with my spec? I see you worked on your log. No. In fact, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, stay away from me. I want nothing to do with that. But realize that's not about you, right? That's about where they're at with their journey and the Holy Spirit will have to deal with them. (laughs) Um, So don't throw your pearls to the pigs. What you have is a value. If you are a log first spec second person, you are going to grow. You are going to possess valuable insights that can help other people, but the dogs and pigs out there aren't going to care. So don't worry about it. So as we close up today, I just want to kind of leave you with this final thought, right? Log first, spec second. I cannot judge other people's bodies because first of all, I just don't know. I don't know their story. I don't know what kind of hard they've lived. I don't know what kind of journey they've been on. I don't know what they eat or don't eat. I don't know how they exercise or don't exercise. I don't know what disease they've been diagnosed with. I don't know. And I don't really need to know. I've got to work on my lone log first. I've got to work on why it still matters to me what people think of my body. I've got to work on why I care about what other people think when I'm eating something that's different than them. I've got to work on my own log first. And the better I'm able to understand my own issues around my body and my body image and food, then the more equipped I am to help others. But helping others doesn't mean criticizing, looking down on them, or mocking them. So instead, I question my own motives. I use my own measuring stick on myself. Why am I so concerned about the way they look or the way they're acting? What is it in me that is being triggered or ruffled? What does God want me to see in my own heart hidden in there that he wants to work on? So let's pray as we close today. Dear Heavenly Father, help us. Lord, oh, as we struggle with body image issues, it is one of the most common things we do to look at other people and make assessment of their bodies. We compare ourselves to other people's bodies. We compare the way we eat. We compare the way we exercise. Lord, we're judging machines in so many ways. But show us, teach us not to keep those fingers and tweezers pointed out, 
but to work on our own hearts, to dig into our own depravity, to find out what idols are still hiding in there, what messages, what lies we're still believing. Lord, help us to dig in so that we can get our own log out first, because then and only then will we be equipped to help others with their specs. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who convicts us, who gives us wisdom. Lord, I just pray that for everyone listening today, we'll have a new perspective on how we see others. God, help us to see them through your eyes. Give us your grace as we look at others and as we look at ourselves. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you're here today. I hope something and this message has helped you in a really practical way. I mean, I know it's holidays, so there's going to be a whole lot of family around. Maybe you're going to hear a whole lot of judgments. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're with people that do the, like, uh, judge everyone's bodies on television or have a reaction about, you know, oh, remember so-and-so from back in the day? Well, you know, he's put on weight or she's lost a lot of weight. Maybe those are the kind of conversations that happen in your family a lot. Ooh, here's your opportunity, friend. <laughs> here's your opportunity not to judge those people <laughs> for being judgy and instead work on your own log. Oh, yikes. That's a challenge. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, but friend, I know we can do it. Through the Holy Spirit's help, we can. So go read Matthew 7 for yourself and let me know what you think. And hey, don't forget to grab a copy of the 40-Day Body Image Workbook. It's there for you. And if you need more help in this area, if you're ready to get your log out and you're having a hard time doing it by yourself, check out the Body Image Freedom Framework, my online course and the coaching program. You can do individual coaching really anytime. The group coaching will start again mid-January. So you can be part of that group. I would love to have you. These women see real change. It is always change. There's like never anyone that's gone through that didn't experience some change. You are guaranteed change because it's not about my program or what I do. It's really about the discipleship component to looking at these issues through the lens of scripture and really just digging deeper into like how we can be closer to Jesus and how we can work on these logs that are keeping us blind. So go check that out if that's of interest to you. Well, I hope something that has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.